Hey, what's going on? Greetings and good day, and welcome to the 82nd, I believe, edition of Birds All Day. My name is Drew Fairservice, and yes, we are here still doing this uh, for reasons uh, I am as yet to be determined, frankly. Uh, after two incredibly disappointing losses at the hands of the Baltimore Orioles, uh, one in heartbreaking fashion, and one in, I think we could say, uh, soul-destroying fashion. Yeah, I think um, that's about right. Yeah, that's that's about right. That that that's how the this series went. There are only three regular season games remaining, uh, and almost everything is in play now. Uh, my name is Drew Fairservice, and joining me uh, via the internet, the magic of the internet, uh, as always, old uh, reliable, old reliable, Mister Andrew Stoughton. Stoughton, how are you? I'm doing all right. You're doing oh, you're still in uh, beautiful downtown Montreal. I am not. No, you have I'm moved in the on. I'm beautiful north end of Peterborough. So. That's just, they're basically the same place. I was at the Puck and Pint earlier today. Uh, lots of old folks at the Puck and Pint today. Uh, and then I remembered that uh, that one of my parents had mentioned that I, I think, what's uh, the end of the month, people getting their Canada pension checks and whatnot. I'm like, oh, I think I see what's going on here. They're all watching the Ryder Cup. I wanted to watch, you know. Feyenoord play whatever scumbag team they were playing in the Europa League because that is the uh, highest level of competition a Dutch team can uh, can do well in. I want to see the Dutch leaders. Uh, what am I going to do? Ask, but to no avail. Ask, ask the people at the Puck and Pint to put soccer on. I, if, if you think that's a thing, you do not know the Puck and Pint. Even if you ask them to put it on, what are the chances of finding uh, Dutch team competing in the Europa League on TV. It was, I believe it was on TSN. They weren't showing United against um, some rando squad of Norwegians or whoever they were beating? I don't know. I think, the, I think United was in like was somewhere else. Anyway. In a former Soviet country or something like that. I don't, I don't know. Some of us prefer to cheer for soccer teams that aren't good enough to qualify for the Europa League. Oh, I, they'll come, yeah. <laughs> they'll come real close, and then they'll start the new year in a new stadium by losing every time they play. It's great. It's all good. It's tremendous. Uh, just they, like this, were, were any of your boys caught up in the in the big scandal or what? Oh, you know, I mean, only the fo- only the former manager of the club, <laughs> who oh, yeah, that's right. in his time there was accused of singling out a young up and coming star player. And pressuring him to sign with the agent that was giving Sam Allardyce all these kickbacks. This happened like not even that long ago with Ravel Morrison. <laughs> they were like, Ravel, you gotta join, you gotta sign with my agent. He's my agent, he's Kevin Nolan, who happens to be the captain of the team I coach. Uh, uh and if you don't, maybe you won't get to play very much. And now Ravel Morrison it plays in Italy, and Sam Allardyce is an idiot. Um, it's terrible. Can frankly. we just talk about soccer? Because Good lord, this fucking Blue Jays team right now. Well, we'll talk about soccer, then we'll talk about the World Cup of Hockey, which <laughs> yeah. was as exciting as watching the Blue Jays get their the shit kicked out of them by Ubaldo Jimenez. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, we could. We can We can talk about soccer. We can talk about about uh, about hockey. But I think the thing is is that we have a thing called uh, a Patreon campaign that is active and open, and we encourage and, and, uh, and are delighted whenever any listener... Um, heads over to patreon.com slash birds all day and kicks us a couple bucks a month to keep us going and uh, to support the podcast. And we're very indebted to those people. 
as such, I don't think we can talk about soccer anymore. Uh, we can go through these pitches. We can go through the rigmarole when I say to go to iTunes, uh, and search for Birds All Day and sign up and subscribe and rate and review if you have uh, the opportunity or you feel compelled. Uh, or also to go to whatever your fine podcast catcher of choice might be uh, and look for Birds All Day. So because of all that stuff, all of the things that... Um, the reasons that this podcast even exists, I don't know that we can go on too much longer talking about Kevin Nolan and uh, the sad state of Dutch football. Dirk Cowan I'm... plays for Feyenoord. Come on. Dirk, <laughs> still going. Still, he's got that motor. It's uh, still running. The, I, I was really... <laughs> I have my, my prime as a soccer fan and soccer watcher is past. I don't watch nearly as much as I used to. But I got a big kick out of all the Francisco Totti uh, uh, stuff that was going on this weekend. I guess he scored like his 300th goal in the Serie A. And he's been playing for Roma his entire life. And I think that's great. I think he's awesome. He, uh, uh, as I, far I've as... definitely come around on him. It was he, he was a guy I hated at one point for sure. He, didn't he spit on a guy or something? I'm sure he did. Like, he like, also like did like this. Ago? Yeah. He, yeah, he's been playing forever. He's been playing since he was like 17 years old playing for, for Roma. And here, there he is still out there. He had like that awesome. He was the first guy to do the. He pulled his phone out on the on the pitch and took a picture. Of, <laughs> took a selfie after he scored. Uh, forever, Totti, the best. Uh, the Blue Jays are terrible. They should uh, all be fired. And uh, in a few weeks, they might be all fired. All of them will be gone. Every single one. Uh, I found it very conspicuous today, but not surprising, that during the ninth inning, when uh, it, what was potentially the last home date for Edwin Encarnacion and Jose Bautista. Uh, there was a big ad like get your 2017 season ticket package. Uh, there are some players featured in that uh, ad advertisement. Would you venture a guess as to who the players might have been featured in that advertisement? I would. I believe. I I, I believe. I think I've seen some of this you know marketing material. Uh, I think Stroman, Donaldson, Russell Martin. Are those? Am I? Am I warm? It, it was Dickie Martin and Donaldson. Dickie. Oh no, sorry, not Dickie. Tulowitzki. Okay. Yeah. Well. Dicky, yeah, that would be something else. Is what that would be, um, but well, yeah. The marketing so marketing department knows not to make extra work for themselves because you know. Well, what was the story we heard way back in the day that the only guy they weren't allowed to use was uh, Romero? That was the only, like, 2012 or 13. It was like don't you, you don't put anybody but Ricky Romero. You can you can put only Ricky Romero. Everyone else is fair game. Oh, how that works! I remember right. that, but I remember I, I know Vernon Wells was on a lot of materials, uh, and then they were like, "Holy shit, someone's taking that contract." We don't care. Uh, Cut down all those trees. Get the hell out of here! Yeah. So I think what we'll, what we're going to do, Stoughton, we're going to talk a little bit about that stuff. Maybe we'll talk about that stuff towards the end of uh, today's edition of Birds All Day. But I think at first, what we're going to we're going to ask a very simple question, and we're going to try and answer it. And uh, that question is, why are we here? Why are we here with filled diapers? And tiered faces. Why are we here on September 29th or 30th? Uh, hoping that they don't, the Blue Jays don't screw this up completely. That's what we're going to try to find out and figure out. Uh, but we will talk about all that. And then, so much more on this edition of Birds All Day. All right, so we're back on Birds All Day. We didn't really go anywhere. We just, it's like a, when a band just shuffles off the stage and stands around for a while, then they come back out on and, and play. 
when there's enough clapping, even though they were going to come out no matter what. Uh, that's us. We weren't going to leave. But uh, why are we here, Stoughton? Why are the Blue Jays now tied with the Orioles uh, with their... Well, at one point, they I mean, they still have their fate in their hands. They aren't hoping... They don't need other people to lose out or wins here or wins there. They just got to... They win a couple games, they're good to go. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like they're, you know, capable of that sometimes. Uh, but yeah, why are we here? I'm going to go a little... Uh, I'm going to go a little off the beaten path with this, I think. Maybe not. Uh, I wrote this, I wrote a little piece about tonight because it could be the, the end of the Edwin Encarnacion and Jose Batista era at, uh, at Rogers Center if they don't you know, find a way to make it back before the end of the uh, the playoffs if they don't ever play a damn home game, which is certainly a possibility at this point, even though, like you say, they're in the driver's seat. Uh, it's going to sound dumb is the thing, but but games like tonight, they do happen from time to time. And this is the thing we've said over and over and over and watched them continue to fail and fucking fail, and it's been terrible. But to me, I can... I can accept what happens, you know, tonight they're not getting, you know, not getting runs in, not cashing guys, like, for way too long. Uh, but it really goes more back to what was happening at the start of the month when Batista and when Donaldson were not right. Uh, they were so central to the lineup that there were a whole lot of games like this where the skid really sort of started to happen. So a game like this would have been more of an anomaly had it not been for that terrible stretch, which, to my mind, even though there's lots of culprits and there's lots of guys who are playing like dog shit, and there's lots of guys who may just be dog shit, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, I think that that's you know what uh, what has brought us to this point is the fact that those two central guys to the lineup were so bad for that stretch. And nobody else was picking the team up. Uh, and there's also all sorts of other stuff that's going on around it. Uh, obviously, we're going to talk about the bullpen. Uh, obviously, we can talk about Saunders, and we can talk about Upton and Smoke, and all these guys who've been dog shit. But uh, I don't know. I think it's that run at the start of September that's really cost them and put them in this position. And I think that it's the hip of Donaldson and the knee of Batista. It reminds me too much of the beginning of the year, more than the beginning of September, in that the the Blue Jays are back to being a team that has like craterous holes in it in the lineup, and I mean that's not it's not to say that that is realistic or like a fair examination of the talent or the team that's on hand, but it's a it's a reflection of what's happened in the last two weeks when they needed to win games and they have not been able to. Uh, Saunders, terrible, been so bad. His weighted runs created plus in September is 20. Yeah, he's right? garbage, yeah. Tulowitzki has been uh, kind of bad of late. Um, you know, he had a couple of doubles the other day. I don't know. It's... I, I thought Tula's been pretty all right throughout most of this. You know, Tula. And I think that's the thing to me a little bit is that, you know, for the most part, Except for the peripheral guys, you know, the main guys kind of, now that Donaldson and Batista have started to hit a little bit better, they're, they're getting their hits, they're doing okay. I mean, maybe not what you would hope or expect from them, but uh, they've been alright. It's just, you know, the situational hitting has not come, uh, you know, not, the hits haven't come in a timely manner, and, and the peripheral guys have been just 
gigantic black holes and uh, but yeah I, I don't know I, it, it's hard to look at some of the numbers I think of the Martins, Tulos, Batista, Donaldson, Encarnacion to look at those guys and and fault them. I mean, it's 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 more a collective thing than it is you know looking at one individual. You can look at all those guys and be like, hey, he's he's had an okay season for for him. Uh, Batista maybe uh, on the lower end of that scale, and I think you know Martin and Donaldson were garbage at the start, but have, have figured it out and and picked it up. But but yeah, it's it, it's something that we want to put our finger on it and we want to find this, you know, one smoking gun, but there's a lot of guns and there's no smoke. You see what I did there? I did. I did indeed. It, 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 but it's true. I mean, the offense has been bad. And the thing that I think jumps out the biggest difference between last year and this year is the enormous innings. Last year, there would mm-hmm. be those, those innings where they would just put up like a crazy crooked number. They scored seven and eight and nine and like it seemed like time and time again, especially when they were really rolling. And now, now they're not they're not that. Yeah, and I mean, I think I saw something, and I think the guys at uh, BP Toronto on their podcast talking about uh, about approach and about how uh, you know you're, they're watching a lot of fastballs go by because they're not necessarily looking for fastballs and fastball counts. They're getting you know they're seeing a high number of, of breaking balls all over the place, and, and maybe that's messing with their game plans. And I saw somebody, I think somebody in response to uh, Jeff Blair, his uh, his happy little tweet there at the end of the game. Uh, somebody was like, "Oh, it's that uh, Bobby Tewksbury or whoever, whatever, whatever mm-hmm. his name is." Uh, who Donaldson works out with, and who I think Colabella was working out with, and guys were doing, you know, were uh, were using his. Uh, he's got those unconventional methods, and he's sort of a guy who uh, is is this new guru in in terms of uh, in terms of hitting instruction. Someone was was quick to blame him uh, rather than say Brooke Jacoby, or rather than say you know the players themselves. Hmm. I I would definitely agree that the it, excuse me. I would definitely agree. I think it's uh, Donaldson in particular. It feels like uh, I know tonight that he watched. He's been watching a lot of you know strikes, a lot of fastballs thrown for strikes in 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 situations that you would not expect him to have his bat on his shoulder. But mm-hmm. but I think it, especially if the, I mean, I'm sure the BP guys looked carefully at it, and they you know the, the Blue Jays are getting pitched really tough and they're getting pitched backwards and you're not going to get a lot of fastballs to hit, especially, you know, if you're a guy like Russell Martin, who, who is a fastball sort of only guy. I don't know. It's there, there are a million, like you said, there's a million reasons. There's a million places to point your finger, but the fact of the matter is they're just not scoring. They're not scoring so that any mistakes are amplified mistakes on the bases. If it's Batista getting thrown out, you know, doing his Jose Bautista thing or guys getting, you know, picked off or whatever it is or, or mistakes in the field. Um, you know, tonight, I don't know what happened on, on Trumbo's hustle double mm-hmm. where, where Pilar was playing way around, it felt like to right center field and the ball was hitting up just to hit where he wasn't. And he had a long run and Trumbo astutely took second base. And then he comes around to score an insurance run that they didn't need, but. I mean, it's just, but I mean, you look at the way they've been pitched, right? Like 
we can kill the Jays' lineup all we want, but Ubaldo was off his ass. Yeah. And he was, he for was. the second time in two starts against this the, this team. So, the the season isn't over by any stretch of the, the, stretch of the imagination. And going to Boston, where you're going to get a shortened Rick Porcello start that will hopefully give way to, you know, the soft underbelly of the of the Red Sox roster and they've only got to win a couple games and they'll be fine. Right. They're, they're, they are still in the driver's seat. They are still tied for the wild card position. They, if you think they're going to go to Boston and get swept, that would be surprising. But, you know, we, as we said, uh, tonight's game, Thursday night's game felt really like soul destroying to me. It was last night's game. That that's the one that was just, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. I, it's this is making me mad because you know you try to keep an even keel, but but you know you say all year, you say for months it's gonna be all right. This is how this game works, and they just seem like they're fucking determined to make me look like an asshole and <laughs> just fuck this all up. <laughs> it really feels like that some nights, and that was one of them. And it, it's just, I mean, get it together. I, I know, I, and, and like these are the kind of things that I can't stand when people say because it's not for lack of effort that they're, that they're not getting it together. I mean, that's just not how it works. No, that is to me that we've talked about this before, but it, that makes me absolutely crazy. When if you're going to question the effort or say, "Oh, just a, no heart," we're in this position. Was it not even two weeks ago that the Blue Jays' lack of fight was the reverse, in that they had too much fight and they ended up in a fight, which was what caused the the Benoit injury, which then led to the Mark Teixeira thing. Like, ugh. That was, I mean, that was, that was this week, was it not? That was, was that not this week? Yeah. That, that's since we, we haven't even talked about that. I mean, that, that was between our last podcast and this one, that fucking stupid nonsense happened. Yeah. That's exactly what that was. It was crap. But then here we, but, but here we are. Right. And, and so it's, they have no fight. They have no effort or they have too much fight. They're stupid. They're cocky. They're arrogant. Like. They're putting so, reporters' pictures up on the bulletin board. The Yankees wouldn't do that. Oh, no, never. I just... Those things... To me, that's just... The, that's crap. That's noise. That's people looking to create a narrative or create a story where there, probably, there doesn't need to be one. Uh, it, as you said, Josh Donaldson's hip. Jose Bautista's knee. Melvin Upton has been the worst version of Melvin, <laughs> Melvin Upton we ever could have expected. Yeah. You know, I was excited about the, by this trade. I, I liked it a lot. He had like and 19 been... home runs when he came over from San Diego. It was like, all right. And now he just, I mean, he looks like, you know, it, I don't know. It, it's It's been it the worst like case scenario. Out there and closing his eyes and hoping that the bat somehow hits the ball. I mean, and, and that's what garbage people say. But I understand sometimes where garbage people come from. Because it looks real fucking ugly, and he take he's the kind of guy who who he draws a lot of walks, and that's still what he's doing. But he's also taking all these crazy close pitches, 
And and then he strikes out looking. Then he he's chirping at the umpire. And, uh, but was it Dale Scott? I don't know who the umpire was the other night. Who, who was incredibly patient with him. He easily could have thrown him out. Was that last but, night? Was that Barksdale? Yeah, yeah. Who could easily could have run him after that? After that display at the plate. But instead, it's like okay, here's Melvin Upton, who's just again a total black hole right now. Who's replacing Michael Saunders? Often, who's a black hole? God damn! If it wasn't for Zeke, where would they? Where would they be? A bit. Zeke Carrera killing the <laughs> Orioles single-handedly. Pilar the, can't. I was just gonna say the Upton thing. I mean, I think he didn't get run because he was probably just like I can, I I can I can strike myself out very well without your assistance here. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, Zeke has been has been huge and getting. Playing time because of it, which is crazy because this is a team fighting for a damn playoff spot. Sometimes you need, you know, a couple weeks ago wasn't fighting for a damn playoff spot, was sort of like cruising into the end of the season. And now here we are. And now here we are. Uh, But yet, all is not lost. The Red Sox uh, clinched the division. They are in coast mode. The weather's going to be bad, so you're not going to see a lot of. Percello, they're almost for sure not going to see Price, who's scheduled right now to start on Sunday. Uh, so they can go in and they can win two games in, in Fenway and still host a playoff game, host the play-in game come Tuesday. It will. Like, it, it will be interesting to see. Uh, speaking about you know who's going to get used, who's not going to get used. I mean. At some point, I mean, right now they are in the driver's seat, but it's not inconceivable that they might have to start burning guys who they are sort of thinking, oh, maybe he'll start the wild card game, and we'll have him set up to start game one of the division series if we get there. You might just have to see everybody from the damn rotation, anybody who can just get some outs go in there. Though, of course, pitching really hasn't been the problem. I mean, I look if you look at it right now, the Jays and Orioles are tied. And the Tigers, who have they have a wild card elimination number, like they're a game and a half behind, but their wild card elimination number is three. Yeah. So that's wins and losses of the teams ahead of them. So again, they they don't they might not even need to play that extra game. But and then the Mariners is two, so the Mariners it's, they need everybody ahead of them to lose, and they can basically not lose themselves. But. I think you can you can get away with it. you can cheat it around. I mean, I've I spoke on the Sunday episode that I want Jay Happ if I had my way. If it was against the Orioles in particular, I would want Jay Happ to start the play-in game. Um, I think now you can add um, Francisco Liriano's name to that list. I'm okay with that. Yeah, based on the way that the, it's going to shake out. If you need, uh, you know, you might you probably don't need Happ to start, uh, but if you need a lefty to start against the Orioles, then you can have Happ start a potential game one. I don't know. It's all there. It's, it doesn't I mean, feel like it, but... Yeah, I, I'm just... I mean, it, it, it's hard to think about game one when right now you you got to get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, one, another... You mentioned the bullpen. The bullpen has been obviously problematic in, in its own way with um, uh, Osuna blowing the save the other night uh, after you Jason Grilly. When he pitched for the fourth time in five days. Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> Why the hell did he pitch on Tuesday night? I'm trying Why? real hard to be kind to John Gibbons about that because I, I guess I like John Gibbons and and even more than I like John Gibbons, 
I hate people who hate John Gibbons. But it's, I don't hate I can't John Gibbons. Figure out why that happened. Yeah, that's I there's mean, that's no just... unless he had him up three times, which I don't know if how many times he would have warmed up. But there's no way he he should have pitched in that game. I saw John Lott sort of tweeted that he asked Gibbons about it, and Gibbons sort of brusquely said, uh, well, "He's up anyway, so might as well use him." Which, to me, I mean. I don't know if that's an admission that <laughs> that he do, he doesn't want to talk about it because he knows he knows he fucked up. I don't know if it's that he doesn't want to talk about it because he doesn't want to say I don't trust anybody to get any outs. Uh, and I did, I mean I did write this in the you know in the open letter thing that I wrote today uh, here on Thursday. But you know the win probability is is very 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 high. It's practically ninety nine percent with four mm-hmm. you know a four run lead. And one inning to get through, but that will that will that will that can change quickly, you know, with a couple batters if you put a damn shit bag in there, and and that's not really how you're supposed to look at it. But you know, I, I think Gibbons wanted to lock down that game because he knows he needs wins, and and this is a thing I think we've seen him do before, uh, where it just it hasn't it didn't come back to bite him. I think other times, and I mean that's that's the thing too. We wouldn't be talking about. We might be talking a little bit about what, uh, uh, Tuesday, but mostly not. Had it not been for Wednesday, and he, you know, he damn well got away with it. He came real close to get getting away with it. But he almost didn't get away with it because he didn't have to use him tonight. There was no call for him tonight. But but the pregame talk was. Well, he's unlikely. You know, I don't know. It's unlikely that we that he's available. That was crazy, yeah. Because, but it made sense. You're going to start. You're going to use him three days in a row, and four or five, or five or six, whatever the number was. I don't. I don't get that. I don't get that, and I'm frustrated by that. Yeah. I, and, uh, and this, I mean, and this is the, another thing that I said. You know, I said in this open letter piece is that. He's so afraid to to use those other relievers with that game on the line with four run lead and and three outs to go that he's the Osuna. bottom of the it's order. Like, well, now now the stakes are even higher, and you can't use Osuna. Like it, it is not mm-hmm. it is not an effective use of your uh, of the tools at your disposal. It's uh, well, dumb. and it's fun. It's funny because Buck uh, Buck Showalter, who is so you know, exalted as his great bullpen guru. Last night in that same game, I was shocked that he didn't bring Britain in. I saw when they tweet, were they're, yeah. they're down two one, bases are loaded, and he's going to the pen and he doesn't bring in the unhittable monster. He brings in the former Minnesota twin, who, you know, only had to face Upton so we got the job done. But Easy. I, I, Easy. I don't know how Everybody you don't go to fucking Twitter feed. I don't know how you don't go to Britain there because you can then use him in the ninth. If you if you come back as they did, and there he was, I I can't I can't get my head around that. And as I said, how can you vote for how can you make that guy the, the Cy Young when he's how can you vote for him to be the Cy Young? I don't care how good he is, he's amazing. But if he's sitting in the bullpen in that situation because you're holding him for this one three out or uh, save to face Pilar and Barney and whoever else they sent up against him, uh, Navarro from the right side, like, you're telling me that guy is more valuable than 
than Chris Sale. That well, guy's a better pitcher, having a better year. No, fuck off. That's bullshit. Maybe Buck Showalter didn't want to overwork his closer. Well, but the stupid thing is, is we had said this before. I had said use Osuna more, but don't use him in a four-run game. Use him in a tie game, or use him when you're down one run and you're facing the the chance of having the game blown open in front of you, where you're going to lose a game and you have not even looked at having your best pitcher throw a single pitch. Don't don't use him when the game is not so much in doubt. Use him when the game is in doubt, even if you're not quite winning. That I don't know. Maybe I don't know shit. I, who might argue with Buck Showalter? But that were that. I think you're he, making a lot of sense here. Let's be honest. He he looks. He came out looking smelling like a rose there, but uh, still bullshit. Bullshit. I I will not comment on Buck Showalter's fragrance. This episode of Birds All Day is brought to you by Batflip. The greatest Blue Jay stories ever told. Batflip is a new book from Fan Reads that collects the best writing on the Toronto Blue Jays from the past 40 years. With stories by R.A. Dickey, Buck Martinez, Stacey May Fowle, Stephen Brunt, Allison Gordon, me, and many more who are much more talented than this guy. Batflip is now available in paperback from Amazon or an ebook from Kindle, iBooks, and Kobo. Learn more at batflipbook.com. Fan Reads, the greatest stories ever told. For fame. Uh Are you worried about Osuna at all, or you just think it's a bit of a overuse, or just a bad, bad luck, bad outing? What? Anything? Any concerns? The capital I, C. I cannot allow myself to be worried about Osuna because what the fuck do you do without Osuna? So, uh, if there was something to be worried about, it would be no use worrying anyway because he's sort of locked in. That's that's how I that's how I try to live my life on an even keel. You know, I. I but yeah, I, I hopefully it's just overuse. Hopefully it's just a little fatigue. Um, I don't know. I, I think if you look at if you look at you know the velocity is holding, the movement on the pitches is holding. I looked at Brooks baseball today, mm-hmm. uh, hoping that maybe I'd see an answer. I saw that he's kind of been. It looked like he was maybe a little up, more up in the zone over the last bit but that could be intentional though he really did miss his spot i think on that pitch to to kim that got hit out even though it was a well you know a pitch at a spot in the zone where that shouldn't have fucking happened when kim came up and i, and I was envisioning what was going to well the scenario kind of playing watching it play up my head i was like well of all the things that are going to happen at least he's not going to hit a home run i think he's only got five he had only had five home runs on the year doesn't have a lot in the way of uh runs batted in i mean he's i, I pretty clear to see that Kim is a really strong hitter. He's got like a 390 uh, on base percentage, whatever it is. But I was like, at least he won't hit a home run. And then there was that pitch that you mentioned pitches being up. So Osuna threw, I think it was the seventh pitch of the at-bat. He threw a changeup that that came really awkwardly, like flat-footed, kind of lunged at and, and fouled off. Uh, but that to me was like, oh, that was the one. That was not a good pitch. And if he had made a good pitch there, if he had thrown that changeup down in the zone, there's no way that Kim's going to be able to get on it like that. And that at bat is over. Didn't work out that way. And then he missed his spot, and then it just kept going. And uh, I assume that you were watching the Orioles broadcast I was, at that yeah. time, when you can hear Gary Thorne like it's over his head. Oh yeah, no, he yeah he was a little a little shocked by it. Yeah. Oh, I was too. I was like, yeah, it is over his head. That sucks. And then the next thing you know, it's over the over the wall. I uh, I was less than impressed. Very very much less than impressed. Yeah, it was not cool. 
Well, we had talked about this a little bit before. You're not worried about Osuna's as as locked in. You're not worried about him in the bullpen. Is it? Are you maybe going to see somebody like Marcus Stroman join him in the bullpen? That's what I've been sort of banging the drum for a little bit. I, I think it makes a lot of sense to have him uh, not be the fourth starter. I think the drop-off between him and Francisco Luriano is not big and maybe not even a drop-off. And, and you know, you're going to get a lot of use out of him and a lot of value out of him in the playoffs, assuming, you know, you actually play some playoff games uh, mm-hmm. by having him as, as you know, a late-inning relief guy. And with Benoit out and with Grilly looking not hot and Osuna maybe shaky as well, just adding another reliable arm back there, even though Stroman is not a perfect reliever and, you know, too many home runs, uh, too much reliance on the defense, not enough strikeouts. Maybe he plays up a little bit in the bullpen. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, he's a guy that I think I would be more comfortable going to than Tapera or Schultz or even maybe be a genie at this point. It'll be hey, Tapera looked good today. Yeah, no, uh, like they're all fine, but I don't know. I, I like I like this Stroman guy. I think he might be all right. I think so too. And uh, although, you know who he reminds me of in a little bit. Uh, it's Ubaldo Jimenez. Because <laughs> he throws so much bullshit. Yeah. And he and I think it was Keith Law or somebody said that that Stoneman is the kind of guy that he gets too cute and he's getting beat with his fifth or sixth best, best pitch. Yep. Instead of just not screwing around. And hopefully, maybe if you brought him the in. Masson, in the, hmm? Sorry, I was going to say the Masson broadcast tonight showed his, you know, his arsenal of pitches and the batting average on each of them, and it's like, like his changeup had like a, I think it was his change, maybe maybe it was a curveball, I don't know, because there was like six different pitches on there, uh, but I think it was the change had like a, a whichever it was had a, like a three forty nine batting average on it, and it's like, well, maybe you don't need to use that very often. Maybe to leave that junk at home. And if yeah. maybe as a reliever, that's something that he would be able to do. He's not worried about turning the lineup over. Go in, get three, six, seven batters. Throw your two-seamer and maybe mix in another fastball and then slider and then be on your way. He is a guy who a lot of people have always thought is going to be a reliever and who as an amateur, uh, you know, was was killing it as a reliever. That's uh, That was his thing. So, you know, people, I think a lot of people, uh, at least that I saw on Twitter, uh, when I was floating this idea, I like, didn't he, didn't he come up as a reliever that, you know, that first year where he made his major league debut and he was terrible? It's like, yeah, but don't don't think of it like it's it's something that's beyond him or that he... That he wasn't terrible because he was a reliever. Yeah, he just wasn't going real well then. But, but I think I have no problems at all with him taking the ball out of the bullpen. I think, uh, I think it could go well. Well, we're putting the cart before the horse a little bit here, though. Sure are. Uh, because they are not yet in a position where they have even won a single playoff game, play-in game, where I I maintain my confidence against the Orioles that they were that one fluky at-bat. It was a nice at-bat, but one at-bat by Kim against Osuna away from uh, being you know going down 0-2. And if you are an Orioles I mean, the... Ubaldo's been really good his last, I think, seven yeah. starts or eight starts or so. He's doing yes. similar to what he did with when he was headed into his free agency, where <coughs> he sort of gets all the pieces together, and then he looks good. He looks like the kind of guy that earned 
you know, four year, whatever, forty eight or fifty million dollar contract that he's got. But I'm, yeah, I'll take I my chances. Yeah, sort of look at the overall numbers and are like, he's garbage, and and the Jays should do better. And I'm angry, but yeah, he he definitely has had his ups and downs, and and over the last number of starts, I think he's been quite a lot better. Which doesn't but also, really make it any less goddamn frustrating that they did fucking nothing against them tonight. But he also is awful, and the Jays should do much better yeah. against him. I mean, I'm I'm happy to take on if I'm a Blue Jays fan, as I am. And I'm looking to the wild card. I'm they're like, give me, give me the, give me the Orioles one more time. Especially with the with the lefty, I think. Uh, I think you you made yeah. a good case for that uh, on Sunday by pointing out that the Orioles are trash against lefties. I think the Orioles are trash in general. I don't care who just won two out of three. The Orioles remain trash. Uh, let's take a break, and we'll talk about the. Um, the bigger things, the other, the other side, the Edmund Encarnacion, Jose Bautista thing, and uh, whether we are making a, an accurate, a, adequately sized deal out of what may or may not be the end of their time as the Blue Jays. We'll take a break on Birds All Day. Hey everybody, we'll get back to the podcast in a second, but first I would like to talk to you a little bit about tickets, about getting tickets to events, about getting tickets to the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, It's not always easy. This time of year, especially, the Blue Jays are fantastic. They're selling out games. You may be tempted to go and deal with the dirty vagrants that uh, occupy the area around the Rogers Centre in order to get yourself tickets to a particular game that's sold out. Well, technology has made it so you don't have to. You can download the SeatGeek app onto your phone and browse all kinds of ticket offers uh, to not just the Blue Jays, but to other events in this city, in your city, in other cities you may be visiting. Uh, SeatGeek just makes everything perfectly easy. I use it myself. It's the first place I go to looking for tickets because SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you. It searches multiple ticket sites and ensures you get the best possible deal. And the best thing is right now, we have a great deal with the SeatGeek folks, uh, listeners of Birds All Day. You can get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. So if you want to do that, get the SeatGeek app. You get it on your phone, you dial it up, you go in there, you hit the settings tab, and you click add promo code, and you enter the promo code BIRDS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. That's a fantastic deal, uh, and it's a great app. I encourage everybody to try it. Thanks very much, and now back to the show. Okay, so yeah, so we touched on it a little bit before. Uh, There was a little moment at the end of the game after the Blue Jays, most of them had left the dugout. Uh, where Edwin Encarnacion sort of lingered in the dugout a little bit, uh, looked around, kind of took, seemed like he took it all in. And then as he walked out, he kind of did this little weird thing with his finger, like a woo, almost like an umpire's home run sign. And then he, down he went. Got a bit of and a then, Jimmy Connors vibe out of there. If anybody, yeah, yeah. If anybody out there is old. Uh, you, you, you are, that's for sure. Apparently. Um, but uh, so a lot of people said that was like a goodbye salute and that's it for him as a Blue Jay and he doesn't expect to be back or... Not as a, not in the regular season anyway. Um, I think that's a bit of, you know, was adding a little bit of uh, edit, maybe editorializing a little bit. Oh, for sure, yeah. But it could well be his last time in that dugout as a member of the Blue Jays. Yeah, I, I can I can understand with that in mind, being like, well, I don't want to miss the last chance to go, you know, have a little bit of a wistful moment here in the dugout. But that doesn't mean that he's resigned. A, to the fact that he's not coming back, and B, to the fact that they don't have more games in the Rogers Center this year, which they very well could, obviously, cannot state enough, could fuck this up. 
but they might. There's still a really good chance that they might have games left. So that would be a bit much of him if he uh, if that was the thing. And that's why I think you're right that that's editorializing and sort of trying to shoehorn in uh, maybe our emotions on the situation into what we saw there from him. But interesting, our emotions. I think that uh, the little cloistered Twitter group of people who um, might be more attuned to those sorts of things because it didn't seem like anybody in the stadium gave a shit. <laughs> I don't think they gave a shit about anything tonight from what I was seeing from people. The the game was a pretty high-level, well, a, you know, a pretty good gut punch. I don't think anybody, there were, weren't a lot of emotions flowing through the building. But between, they, could they even muster a wave? I don't know if they could even muster a wave. I think they tried, but there was just you could the Sportsnet broadcast. They tried to allow for that moment as he as Encarnacion came to the plate. They Buck and Tabby were quiet, and you they really played the the uh, Tim uh, Langton his uh, announcing him his his plate appearance. And Carnacion, they got the good like the growl. There was nothing. It was just sort of the mild, tepid clapping. Same thing with Bautista. Kind of gives him space to uh, allow. Oh, here he comes. He's out coming up to up to the plate. Nothing. Not nothing more than what would be an ordinary ovation in April against the Twins or something. It's just a little disappointing, but. It would be disappointing if I had any fucking expectation of those ingrates. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, reasonable considering the atmosphere of the, again the atmosphere of the place was so low. And... It was not a fun game. Yeah. No, it wasn't. You're getting one hit by Ubaldo Jimenez. God damn it! Even though I know it makes sense, it's still shit. Yeah. Just shit. Uh, I, I don't know. There's so many, so much talk. You know the, the Frank. What's that guy's name? Nick Carfado. The is that oh, his yeah, name? The Boston Globe. Nick Carfado. Yeah, who's always got the insight. And oh, maybe Bautista's going to take the. He's got take, the insight to ask the questions and put them in print, even though they're not, they're not actually answered. Anywhere. They're just him saying, "Well, he could do this or he could do that." Hmm. Does it feel more likely that I, that one or two of those uh, gentlemen would return to play for the Toronto Blue Jays next year? I don't know. I don't know. I th- I think it doesn't feel terribly likely. It doesn't feel. T- it doesn't feel terribly likely. I, I mean, Encarnacion has such a strong year again, and with the RBIs and stuff like that, somehow is going to factor in. I don't know. But that Bautista, the, the Bautista thing is so weird. I think. I think people, a lot of fans, are so happy to hate him. They do like to hate him, I think. They know. do like to hate him, and they're so quick to turn on him. Uh, I, that I hate to bring, I hate, I brought this up about something early, earlier in the year, and, and not that, I forget what it was not that long ago, but, but like, to me, like, the, the whole stupid fucking bullshit against the Yankees where they went out looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, though the, the you know Josh Donaldson is pretty central to that, and I'm not saying because I, mean, I don't know, but I'm not saying he was in there in Hap's ear saying we got we're doing this, this is a thing. But if that all 
had transpired out of a Jose Batista at bat, I just, I wonder what the conversation would be, because I think people would be a lot more receptive to the idea of, hey, this guy, uh, even though he's on our team, is kind of being a bit of a shithead maybe here. Uh, Mm -hmm. But nobody wants to think or hear that about Donaldson. And I don't, I'm not saying that that's true. And I mean, I don't think Donaldson should have to tolerate being thrown at. And I think there's a lot of bullshit on both sides to go around. Uh, but it just, it, and I'm not saying this even, I'm not saying this as a race thing or anything like that. I'm just saying that that's a thing that Batista's personality has sort of invited and has become, you know, normal here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that people think, uh, people are quick to, to think that about him. You know, like, uh, when he made that, when he made that throw uh, to get Delman Young uh, in the Orioles thing last year and he fucked up his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, he took a lot of shit for that, I think, and in a way that uh, that had it have been, had, you know, if someone else had done that, I don't know that 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 would have happened. No, I, I think you're right, and I think it is interesting to contrast the way that they conduct themselves uh, in public or the way that people perceive them between Donaldson and Bautista. And Donaldson's a guy that trouble just finds. Trouble finds Josh Donaldson. Uh, there were some some interesting quotes that I think Brandon Kennedy had um, from uh, from Benoit, yes, who right. was kind of like, eh, "We're allowed to throw inside. Pitchers are allowed to do that. It's not really the end of the world. I don't know why these guys are getting so upset about it." I mean, it hit him on the giant elbow armor thing that he wears, right? I and mean, it was basically in the strike zone when it did. Kind of was basically <laughs> in the strike zone. Yeah, it uh, the whole thing was nonsense. Man, but yeah, and and again to reiterate, I I just I wonder if that had exploded from a Bautista at bat as opposed to a Donaldson one. Uh, how it would be different. I think it would be. But it's not. No, and it's, it's, in instead, Benoit is out for a while with a Brett Cecil. I'm not really an athlete. I'm a pitcher injury uh, because he got hurt running to the bull from the bullpen to the field. Which I man, those injuries they just make me they make me cringe when <laughs> like when Cecil gets hurt. Anytime he would step off of the mound, mm-hmm. like oh, it's like Scott Downs yes, that he's that happened to him all the time. I was immediately thinking of as well, yeah. It's like, oh, Scott Downs had to move a little bit. Now he's hurt. Like, fuck. Come on. Benoit, at least he's old. We got that going for him. Uh, Brett Cecil, we could talk about him real quick. He's awesome again. Seems like. I'm all in on that. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe more than one out per game there, Gibbers. Though he's changed Gibbs. that a little bit. He brought him in to face a righty there the other night. And he mowed that motherfucker down. He sure did. Uh, no, yeah. Brett Cecil being good is good. He's uh, also a free agent at the end of the year. It's good for him. It is very good for him. Uh, I don't know where that leaves the Blue Jays against, uh, you know, for for left-handed relievers, but uh, hardly hardly the priority, I think, of the offseason. Uh, they yeah, can still trade for Boone Brett Logan, Cecil, right? It's great to see Brett Cecil shut people up who are just waiting for the opportunity to shit all over Brett Cecil. You just... It's so easy to overlook the all the good and the times when a guy like him comes in and gets a clean inning or goes through four batters and nothing has ever been threatened because you only remember the, the ugly. Because 
Jason Grilly. No one, no. I think Jason Grilly's the other way. Everyone's going to remember when Jason Grilly's gone. It's going to be how awesome he was and all of his yelling and carrying on and fist pumps. It's not going to be these massive home runs he gives up to Mark Trumbo or or anything else like that. Well, it's, give him a couple more of those, and, and <laughs> I don't know legacy. I think I think uh, I think he's good. I think he's good to go. He's on the he's on the right side of history now. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't, you don't know how much think longer. The giant home run he's going to give up to Ortiz to knock the Jays out of the fucking second wild card spot on Sunday is uh, is going to change anything. That will be Dicky. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's all the Blue Jays need. If they win Friday and Saturday, they're like ninety nine point nine percent in at that point. Then you can start Dicky on Sunday. If they win those two games, it's all gravy. Then you let Dicky start. You let Dickie serve it up. Everyone goes home happy. It right? Was, yeah. I mean, just win the first one and let us breathe a little bit for fuck's sakes. Like, I mean, yeah. is that so much to ask? Porcello, though. I'm okay. I think Eduardo Rodriguez uh, gives them a good opportunity to, to get a win there in Fenway. But Porcello may be tough. The Tigers are playing the actually, the Braves are over 500 in the second Braves half. Braves have been hot, right? Yeah. They score a lot of runs. Matt Kemp is having one of the worst 30 home run seasons of all time. Uh, he's got competition in that, though. Uh, but I don't know. Again, I think I think that's a good note to end on. Just win Friday night's game. Just win. Just win a couple. Win those. Win those first two. Yeah. And then you can really. Then it'll be a lot clearer. What's the deal? Uh, Stone, you got any uh, party shots? Uh, was I going to do a second one? I had a, I had a thing last week, right? Didn't I say I had a second part to my parting shot? I think so. I believe I did. Please, did please I indulge. About where I was going, when I was going to Montreal and I'm waiting in line at the bus and I took the overnight bus. So it like left Peterborough at, uh, at two in the morning, two fifteen. Did I tell this where the, the young, no. the young gentleman, the young man about, about, uh, I'd say, you know, in his mid twenties. Uh, there's just me and another guy waiting for this bus, uh, and and I see this guy across the street running, running down the street. I'm like, oh, is he in distress? What's going on? Uh, and he ran up. I had headphones on, and I took my headphones out. And he's just like, do you guys know where there's any hookers? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, what? What is this? He's like, hookers. Do you know where there's any hookers? Uh I feel I may have told this, but anyway, because of course the answer is behind the library, but I was never going to tell him that. <laughs> uh, but somebody did eventually tell him that. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's a parting shot so much as just me whining. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, I want My parting shot is uh, to Kensington Market, an area that you know well. Um, and oh, in, oh, in but, Toronto? Yeah, I guess it's okay. In, in Toronto? Uh I was there. I was talking to a friend who has a business there. Uh, we were. I spoke with him for a while, for a good couple hours, and uh, we talked about uh, Kensington is one of the you, the kind of thing that you'll see people probably people wearing shirts that say like "Keep Kensington Weird," kind of like Portland or Brooklyn or whatever. Like they've all got corny shirts like that. And Kensington, Kensington is definitely a candidate for a "Keep Blank Weird" kind of movement. Um, and it's, it seems unlikely that Kensington will like fully gentrify anytime soon. Uh, although I think there is a gentrifying force right now 
in Kensington, and it is the medical marijuana shops. They, <laughs> which, those shops. Which of the 40 are you referring to? But that's just it. There are so many of them, and as I, I understand I recommend, it. I recommend Canna Clinic, by the way. That's the big one, right? Full endorsement. That's, that's <laughs> the one by, uh, by the TD. Like on Soul Kensington? Survivor. If you ever need your shoes repaired, go go to Soul Survivor. Uh, but those places make money hand over fist. So they're driving up the rents in Kensington Market. So gentrification is happening, and it's happening at by places with punny weed names. Yeah, you there's know. on Spadina, there's weed, weed the North, yeah. Realize, 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 I'm saying. Like, to stay woke, that even though they're selling, they're doing cool stuff, and they're selling drugs to the teenagers... They're still going to ruin <laughs> that neighborhood. Cool. Super cool, given selling drugs. First one's free, kids. Come round. The I only have, other I have bad news for you. The neighborhood's ruined. I'm I'm not there right now, so clearly that's a downgrade as it is. Well, how is Ronnie's going to stay in business? I did, yeah, I didn't go to Ronnie's that often. By the end there, oh, <laughs> they have they'll have plenty of business. Ronnie's is wonderful. I like, like the Ronnie's people. Do enjoy the Ronnie's people, but I I should save my Toronto ranting for another podcast. But uh, but but what the the root is uh, is that I haven't been living in Toronto for a couple months. I was in Montreal for a bit. I've been hanging out in Peterborough, Uh, and I'm almost at the point where I'm kind of thinking, who needs it? It's expensive as hell, and it's nice. It's freeing to uh, to have the thought in my mind. then I don't need to be in Toronto. Well, you it's do have the freedom. You do have the freedom to work wherever. So you are fortunate. Yeah. You can't I am, do. I am fully uh, taking advantage of that right now, with the, with the intent of going back to Toronto eventually. But uh, but here in the early stages of uh, floating around, taking advantage of it. Uh, eh, I don't know. They only. I can only go I where mean, they that dig that the salt rent is mine. Expensive. It's true. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like I said, I can only go where they dig the salt mine. So, so that means I'm stuck here, working away, sure. working away. Uh, that's it. Enough. That's enough uh, levity. I guess. I think so. Uh, for what is now, we have a new contender for most important series of the year. It's win Friday night. Beat the front, the beginnings of the Rick Porcello. Whoever is to come emerge from that Red Sox bullpen. After the fact, uh, I beat them too. Win on Friday, maybe win Saturday, and say goodbye to David Ortiz with an R.I. Dickie Knuckleball. Uh, for Andrew Stoughton, my name is Drew Fairservice. We'll talk to you next time. Ahead of the play-in game, fingers crossed, on Birds All Day. <laughs>